it literally took us two months and a half to build a vision, meet amazing people in tech, both in the US, here in Europe. All of that has built the trust in us. And, and three months later, we were raising a seed fund of $24 million. We re-empower people with their time. It's, you, you don't have to raise your hand again and ask for the build and wait and ask for the credit card and split the machine, etc., etc., then ask for a receipt. All of that lasts 15 to 20 minutes. Three weeks later, he has built an MVP. That MVP has 40 bugs a minute. And then I'm like, this is actually bigger than it seems. It's actually really big. And then we come up with the name Sunday and then the lawyers tell us, well, that's actually good. Victor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Do you mind kicking off the podcast by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. I'm Victor Lugger, 36. I live in London, married to a French wife, uh, three children, one, three and five. Um, I'm a restaurateur. Uh, I started with my partner in the restaurant business uh, eight years ago, and we now have 26 restaurants in France, UK, and Spain. Uh, the name of that group we've built is Big Mama, uh, and it's been the most amazing adventure, doubling size almost every year. We're a little above 1,500 people doing Italian food. Um, and trying to cook the most artisanal, authentic Italian food, but in what happened to be pretty big and large restaurants, uh, considering that a meal is not only feeding people, but it's actually offering them an experience and trying to enhance the best moment of their day. And I'm also an entrepreneur in tech. Um, four months ago, we launched Sunday, which is the fastest way to pay in restaurant in the world. It's a spin-off from Big Mama. Uh, and it's been in, in the in the recent months the most crazy adventure when we started literally with a with that very small idea a few months ago, and now we are 90 people uh, developing this product in the US, UK, France, and Spain, um, and rolling it out in over 2,500 restaurants. Wow, you, uh, you you did say you had this idea a few months ago. Is it really that 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 quick? You've managed to to build this out. Yes, before Christmas, we we actually said, "Oh, look, with COVID now, people are putting are putting QR codes on tables. Why why wouldn't we do that in house at Big Mama and, uh, and enable people to pay? So you scan the QR code, and on your phone appears your bill. You click on pay. You've paid. You go. That lasted all in all seven seconds. Wow. And so we developed that in house, and we were amazed by the results we got, both from a client experience. For clients, it's literally stunning. You, you just we we re-empower people with their time. It's you, you don't have to raise your hand again and ask for the build and wait and ask for the credit card and split the machine, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, then ask for a receipt. All of that lasts fifteen to twenty minutes. And from a res restaurant point of view, the, the, the what it brings, namely table turn fifteen minutes faster, you get forty to hundred percent more tips. Uh, average spend is 10 to 15 percent higher as well because just people have more time. How many times have you been in the restaurant and you didn't get that coffee or that dessert because you really needed to go and well, you needed to pay and that would last 15 minutes, right? So we were amazed by this. And because I believe we are entrepreneurs already, because we have this network, because we have this um, adventurous mindset, it literally took us two months and a half 
to build a vision, meet amazing people in tech, both in the US, here in Europe, all of that has built the trust in us. And, and three months later, we were raising a seed fund of $24 million. Uh, and two months later, we're 90 people in the company. It's an unbelievable story and uh, very exciting and, and very inspiring. I, I, I have that exact problem yesterday. It took me 10 minutes to get the bill. The poor waitering staff were also so run off their feet. I didn't like to chase them. You know, it was such a busy day for them. So it's, uh, I think it's just an awesome idea. Now, just for my audience listening, let's just step through this a bit so people can kind of visualize how they could do it. So the first step was you had the idea. And then um, next step was... Uh, uh, raise the money or next step was build the product what what, what happened next it's it's a very good question and and as an entrepreneur i've i always try and share the true story about how we've built business and that true story is always very humbling and it's never that complicated and and it's always a very iterative process so we started with the idea the next minute one guy who is a 27 years old developer who works for Big Mama, my restaurant company, and practically day in, day out, he enables hardware and software in our company, but he's not like this big tech CTO, you know? He's just a young kid. He has an entrepreneurial mindset. So when I call him and I say, do you think you could like connect our POS with a QR code and we could enable people to pay? I says, oh yes, let's try that. Three weeks later, he has built an MVP. That MVP has 40 bugs a minute. But still, it's there on the table. And then people start to use it. And then you realize that like six months before, you would never have put a QR code on the table as a restaurateur. And as a client, no one knew what QR codes were. And all of a sudden, you realize like everyone gets it. You put them on the table. You don't even have to explain. The next minute, like 40% of people pay with it. You're like, wow. Then that same guy, he takes another one month, two months, three months just to make it a little better. And we go for 20 bucks a minute to two bucks a minute. And then it grows from 40% adoption rate to like 80. Then you get really excited. So the true story is at that point, my partner and I were like, okay, we should spin this off. Let's find a 20 years old guy out of high school or out of business school. We give him 200K from Big Mama and we spin that off like small time. I find such a guy. It happens this guy works for Unicorn and I have to like call him and say and explain to him why he should resign and join this. And at the end of the call, which lasted like for an hour, I hung up, I, I hang up, I call my partner and say, that young guy, he's not doing it. I'm doing it. It's too fucking exciting. Why? Because for one hour, I had to really convince the guy that it was not just paying with QR code, which is a little... Well, it's interesting, but there was a way bigger picture and there was a way bigger story because I was forced to onboard someone and to convince someone. I actually convinced myself. And then my partner says, well, yes, yes, you do it. You were in a very comfortable situation, Victor. You had built a business and my team here at the podcast studio were just talking about this, that they eat in your restaurants and love your food, right? You have a reputation, you built a business. You know what? You can green light it at that point. You don't need to be doing what you're doing right now, right? You don't need to put your reputation on the line by doing something crazy, right? You could just sit back. But, but I can feel it in your energy. You're alive because you're doing this, because you're pushing yourself and taking that risk. And that's what I think people don't understand about risk, right? I mean, it literally can ignite you. And, and, uh, and I feel it. And I love it. Every, every entrepreneur, I, was, I feel, is different 
talking with fellow fellow entrepreneurs and talking with my partner, who is obviously very different different to me. As far as, as for me, what I think, my motto in in my in my I was I was about to say my professional life, but actually in my life in general, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you how I met my wife, but it's it was very much like this: is if I I believe that if I want to achieve extraordinary results, there is one way to do that. It's by doing extraordinary choices. And by extraordinary, I'm talking at the very literal sense of it, which is if I want something crazy to happen, I need to do something crazy. And if I keep only doing things within the box, things that are expected, things in the playbook, there is no chance something amazing is going to happen. Something great things are going to happen. Good things are going to happen. But I actually strive. I want more than good. I like to be in the, in the in the I like to be in the crazy zone. And so I have to force myself to do crazy stuff. And yes, starting a new venture in tech when you are an, um, an entrepreneur in restaurant, it's a crazy thing. It's not rational. We had eight restaurants in France. We were very successful in France, which is a very small country, right? I, I'm aware of that. And then I said, I'm going to move to London, which is a city I've never been, with my whole family, start again here, where no one is expecting us, and launch a restaurant here. It took me a year and a half, and I went from managing 800 people to literally managing a team of 10, and we launched Gloria. And it was starting from scratch again. And practically, if I look at the money side of it, uh, we would have a bigger financial success if we had just been rolling it out in France and doing 40 restaurants in France. Whereas we took all that energy and we did two restaurants in the UK. But I believe it makes my personal life way more fun, way more unexpected, way more crazy. And it leads to another stuff, which can lead to another stuff. And my partner went to Spain, moved to Spain. He doesn't speak Spanish. His wife, at 32 years old, was in the top 20 of L'Oréal. She resigned to move with him and their children to Spain. She doesn't speak a word of Spanish last year. Just thinking, we don't have to go to Spain to open a restaurant in Spain. We have restaurants now outside of France. We have a great team. We could do that from Paris. But let's do something crazy because something crazy might happen down the line. And now it's only a year later, we had no clue we would, there would be COVID. We had no clue we would be launching this tech venture. But now we're launching this tech venture in Spain as well, day one, because they are in Spain. I try and force myself to do stuff that make me feel uncomfortable. For me, it's a sign that I'm doing the right thing. And most of them, they, I mean, you don't invite here, you don't invite me here to talk about all the things I do and they fail. <laughs> but I can tell you, <laughs> there are many of them. Mm -hmm. um, I'm talking about the one I did, and they, for now, they have partially some of them been a success, or at least they they led to what I feel personally is a success. Because, as you said, I feel I'm I'm lively, I'm excited. It's not only linked to professional success or recognition or financial success. It's just like life is short and we're all going to die. I, at least that's what I believe. And and the reason why eventually we said let's do a spin-off Sunday out of Big Mama was I felt 
I will regret it if we don't do that. Mm. I will regret I haven't taken that chance because in three or five years down the line, 90% of the population in Europe and in the US will be paying like that in restaurants. And if I end up paying in restaurants on a QR code tomorrow through another technology, and, and, I, and I will not live a happy life thinking I was the guy who could have done that. And now it's not my technology and that's going to feel really frustrating. I think we've, we've all had that idea that we didn't do. I've definitely had ideas that I didn't do. Then you see it happening and you're like, ah, oh, I had that idea. You don't, you don't want to have that feeling if you can help it. I think people listening to you, uh, I'm an entrepreneur myself. So I, I, I literally, I, I feel excited listening to you because I, I know exactly what you're talking about. But people listening that don't feel what you're talking about, this, this uncomfortable thing, this being uncomfortable is good feeling. They're going to wonder where you've got this from. And I, and I perhaps want to, I just want to back up a little bit. Like, were your parents entrepreneurs? Where, where, did, this, where did this love of risk come from? So, my, yes, both my parents are entrepreneurs. My mother is a doctor, but she has her own practice. And so she runs this company. It's a very small company. It's her and her secretary, but it's still a business. And my father is an entrepreneur. Again, he has a small company. There are three people in it, but he's always been working for himself. I'm not sure it comes from here. I think it comes maybe more from a family culture of enjoying difficult moments. Actually, when you ask this question, the first thing that got to my mind was how when I was a child and still today, we've always been like mountain people. So for holiday, we would always be in the mountain and the best day ever could be that we would wake up at 5 a.m. and at 6 a.m. at night and it's like literally 10 degrees outside even in August at 6 a.m. You start walking and you're shivering, it's cold, and then you walk like for five hours up the mountain and every minute of it is like an intense effort. So practically while you're doing it, it's definitely not a good time. It's 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 hard effort. And then you go down and your knees are hurting, etc. etc. So it's not and your feet are sore. But then it was the best day of your year. And uh, and then when I was 20, I've done a few holidays hiking in really extreme conditions. I went and I uh, I went for 20 days canoeing in Canada on a river where you had no cell phone and there were just literally bears. And if we were not to fish, for, for, to, 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 yes, to fish a fish at night, we would not eat with my friend. And so all these moments were actually technically really hard moments. Like you, you're anxious. Am I going to eat something tonight? It's, it's pouring rain for three days. We are soaked. We can't even like get dry during night. It's all this, but then it's the best memories in my life. Mm. And I have admittedly realized that the way I was raised was that I have great memories and, 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 and I cherish these moments that were technically really hard at the time. If you talk to any guy who's run a marathon, which I haven't, they will tell you that it's one of the strongest memories in their life. And running, I've run 20 kilometers and it was really hard. So running 40 must be really tough. But then it's something you cherish because you probably, yes, you probably feel you're more lively and you learn stuff about yourself, about your emotions, about who you are. I think you grow as an individual. One of the value at Sunday is trust. Well, our three values are simple, beyond, and trust. And what all of that say is that we're building this company so that each and every individual, starting with me, because charity starts at home, who is going to participate in this adventure, should hopefully get out of this adventure 
having more trust in herself or in himself because it's because you have trust in yourself that you do great stuff and that you can make adventures and live a more full and comprehensive life, we believe. Beyond, yes, it's wonderful value because everyone at Sunday, and I would say my family and within my friends, etc., are people who strive to go beyond wherever that is. And beyond is not just like more money or more success that is pathetically easy in a sense. It's how do I become a better father, a better husband, a better son, a better friend, a better boss, a better colleague, a better at the same time. This is the ambition. And that's actually really hard. And I'm not saying that it's a good thing to be willing to go beyond, which is why it's one of our value, because there are great people who do not want to go beyond. And it's absolutely fine. It's just that we happen to be these kind of people. And simple, yes, hopefully we can all become more simple persons. Um, by simple is how your, how your understanding of yourself and of life becomes more comprehensive again, and how you differentiate between what is your ego, what are your emotions, what are your goals, what are the facts, what are the interpretation of the facts, all of that. These are our values because launching this business is the number one goal is that everyone in this company grows as an individual. And then hopefully, yes, we will have business success and it will be a big adventure and all of that. But, but eventually it's really down to people. Because Sunday exists or Sunday doesn't, well, eventually people are still going to pay in restaurants, you know. Do, do you, but, but how is transforming the life of the 90 people who have already onboarded that rocket ship in two months? That is what defines why I am really excited day in, day out. Again, there's, there's so many, frankly, incredible points you're making here. And I, I, just, I just get worried that people listening might miss it all. But, you know, the, the, the end bit you just mentioned, for example, you're, you're talking there about almost self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, if, if, you, if you believe it so much, then other people will believe it. If you doubt it, I mean, you said something earlier, you know, you, you talked about how you, 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 someone offered you $100,000 for your business. And what it made me think of that saying is like, you know, you ask for advice and you get money. You ask for money, you'll get advice, right? So there's almost, you, you believe in the business so much that people just are attracted to the idea and literally so many people say it's hard to raise money and I think it's because they're just asking for money. They're not talking like you're talking. They're not explaining their vision, their values, the dream, right? They're busy talking about how much money they're going to make. You're not talking about that. You're, you're talking about the dream and I think that's really, really important and I think people do miss this in their, in their ambitions to start a business, right? On a daily basis, it's been a furious inside belief that launching your business is making something exist that 80% of the people don't give a shit about and 20% of the people are against you. <laughs> and then you're telling the story and the day where the whole world believes in your story, well, you've won. Uh -huh. So for instance, my restaurant business, I open a restaurant and I expect um, we're gonna have like a thousand guests a day. So I'm telling this story about how this restaurant is great and the atmosphere is great and the food is great. And if thousand people a day believe it, it's a successful restaurant. Well, in the payment business, we, we hope we're going to have hundreds of millions of people using it. So the day that a hundred million people believe in our solution, then it's a success. But yes, it's about convincing people of your story. 
And the first thing about it is I believe I, I couldn't be convincing people of a story that I don't believe myself. But then what I would add to what you are saying is that, well, it's the difference between a successful company and the fire festival for those who've seen the documentary. Mm. It's, there was one thing which is telling the story. We managed to and get we managed to get through a hundred. have to do this. We managed to get through a hundred podcasts about mentioning fire festival. So we're well done for bringing it up. But yeah, you're right. I know what you mean we, by that. You have to tell the story. Yeah, you you, they, they, they had a brilliant story, but their execution completely fell over. For those that haven't seen, the, but then the you need to get shit done, and this is what we've learned in restaurant. You can't cheat people in the restaurant industry. Practically, does the food come on your table or not? Does it take ten minutes or does it take forty minutes? Mm. And how good is it? And practically, when you have 10,000 clients a day, do they get sick in the end or do they get really happy? Are you, are you getting it done or not? Mm. Is eventually, you need that, you, you need both of them. Mm. You need okay. a big vision, you need to dream big, you need to believe your own story, and then you need to execute. Well, you're talking a little bit here as well about fake it till you make it, right? That, that startup analogy, which I think I, my take on it is that it's fine to fake it till you make it as long as you're actually going to deliver. Right, if you're going to fake it till you make it, but you yeah, don't plan I'm afraid on I'm a French guy. Um, I've heard this a lot since I've been in London. Um, <laughs> this is not, it's not my culture. I'm afraid I come from a very different color, um, go through the North Face culture, which is um, make it. And people will, I, I, if, if I want to quote something, I would say, build it and they will come, which is this amazing movie with Kevin Costner, um, Field of Dreams. Build it and they will come. You, I don't know who. It's a very old and no one has seen this movie, but it's, it's is that still Carson true? In the middle of a field, he's building a baseball field, and eventually, all the ghosts of the former great baseball players would come and play in his field, which is a stupid film. Build it and they will come. Um, get an amazing product out there, be it a restaurant or be it a payment feature. Hopefully, eventually, if your product is bloody amazing, they will come. Yeah, I guess as always with these sayings, you know, I always feel like that saying is probably these days, you know, in the old days when Henry Ford built, a, uh, he would say, okay, I'm going to build a factory and I'm going to put cars into the market and then people will buy it. But that's a lot of cost up front, a lot of infrastructure. Nowadays, it's probably not build it and they will come, but like ask a client if they'd pay for it. If they do, then go and build it for them and they will come. An elongation, right? Because in reality, people, a lot of stuff's got built on the app store and no one's coming. You're right, which is, for instance, let me tell you about the story of how we've been, we launched a delivery business at Big Mama. So it's COVID. We have never done any delivery. The next day we have to shut our restaurants. There is 1,500 people not working, staying at home. And we're like, okay, let's deliver. It's everything we didn't want to do because we believe in building an experience. And if I'm delivering it to your place, it's going to feel so much harder to, to build that experience in your, in your living room. But then we have no choice. And then we start working. And the next, literally the next week, we were delivering. So very MVP style, let's try it. Let's test the temperature. And it happens that, yes, we build this new recipe of pizza. It travels very well. And so we are getting traction. But then we paused and we say, OK, so now it's working. Now we see a path. So now let's think big. Let's invert the wheel. It's not like always running to the next product. It's showing yourself you're doing something great. Pause, build a big ambition, find the money for it, and go big or go home. Um, and I can tell you another story, which is the story on how we built Big Mama. So the concept of our restaurants is it's a place where we spend 5,000 euro per square meter in works. 
So it's a lot of money for a thousand square meter restaurants. It's a five million investment. And these are 1,000 square meter restaurants. And a 1,000 square meter restaurant is very different to a 20 seats restaurant because you're in a room where there are another 300 people. And all these people, they, it creates an energy. It creates a moment. It creates something that you can't feel in a 20 people restaurant. So if your concept is you're going to have is you're going to spend 5,000 square, 5,000 euro per square meter, and it has to be 1,000 square meter restaurant, then the only way you can test your concept is by opening such a restaurant. So if you want to do this, find 5 million day one, because if you don't, you're never going to test your concept. Don't think you want to do something like a 1,000 square meter restaurant, test it on 20 seats, See that it doesn't work and say, okay, so I'm not doing it. No, if your concept is 1,000 square meter, do 1,000 square meter, which is why it took us two and a half years to do our first restaurant. And I can tell you these were two really long two and a half years. Like all my friends were telling us like, what are you guys doing? Like, it's been two and a half years. You're telling us you're making Italian restaurants. So you've got two HEC business school, pretty successful 29 or 29 years old guy. And it's been two and a half years, you've not even opened one restaurant. What are you guys doing? Yes, but our concept is it's going to cost a lot of money and it's going to be a big restaurant. So we need to make it right in the first place. This is, this is and such when a, you're, now another, we're building a payment stuff. It's another payment problem. has to go through all the time. It's, 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 sorry to interrupt you. We've got a slight lag on the, on the feed. Sorry. But I, I just want, again, I don't want people to miss something important here. You're, you're, you're talking, actually, you know, in a way, entrepreneurs are walking conflicts. We, we're kind of contradictions because, you know, what you're saying, and I, and I actually find myself nodding everything you're saying because what you're saying, and I completely agree, is, you know, you, you, want, you have a theory that a, a type of restaurant, a big restaurant like this will work, and you can't do it by testing out a small restaurant first. An MVP wouldn't work in this example of a business because you've got to go raise five million to make it real to see if it's true. So build it and they will come based on a theory. Equally, however, I feel like your tech product, you know, Sunday, you kind of went the other way. You built a, you know, buggy, not quite right product and, and, and launched with that, right, as opposed to the perfect restaurant, right? So, you, so it's, it's an interesting, I guess it, it always depends. You've got to keep flexible, right? It depends on the type of business you're building, doesn't it? It's probably very frustrating for everyone who's listening to this because right. I, I realize I have said so many things and they're contrary in the span of 30 minutes yeah but that's the entrepreneurial journey and you know what's important i think what's important here is that you know you can go raise 24 million dollars and build the perfect app you can also do that you could do that but there's no reason you couldn't also do what you did which is initially build an mvp prove it to yourself is how i see it prove it to yourself yes. and then raise the money based on proof of concept Yes, because again, I wouldn't raise $24 million if I didn't have a, a deep conviction, a, a deep belief that I can make it work because it's a lot of responsibility to raise that money. Totally. To yes. And, and I wouldn't take that, that much responsibility and onboard so many people I know and I trust and they trust me if I, had, if I didn't have a deep belief that we can make it. When we launched our first business, we've raised money with only entrepreneurs. So we have 17 of them. Uh, in Big Mama, it's only it's only entrepreneurs. We don't have private equity, and it's only entrepreneurs. Seventeen of them. And I remember in the first days of Big Mama, I would call my shareholders, my investors, and I would ask them for a piece of advice. 
And they would, they would tell me something and I would say, wow, that sounds really smart. And the next day, they would tell me the opposite. <laughs> and I would think, this is so frustrating. Mm. And probably if you listen to a podcast and to the next podcast, the two guys are going to say something very different. And maybe if you listen to one podcast, the same guy is going to say something yeah. very different in the span of 30 minutes. Which I believe... <laughs> which... Which is why entrepreneurship is quite hard to codify. That's why that's why I actually do this podcast yes. because I, I and, and I have yes. I have my view on how to build a business and I love listening to other people's because there are so many different ways to do it and I think you just need to be given the tools and the options. I think that's what your shareholders are doing there. Really, they're playing devil's advocate half the time, aren't they? They're probably just giving you the opposite yeah. view to yours to give you a chance to at least think the other side, right? Yes. Yes, and most of the time when I listen to a podcast or to a Blinkist or when I speak to one of my shareholders or partners or friends, most of the time I disagree with them. But at least it got me thinking about it. Right. And that's key, I think, to success in entrepreneurship. It's, it's challenging your own knowledge. I think yes, and this echoes to what you said before, which is that many stuff in entrepreneurship or self, what was your word, uh, self-realizing, it's because you think they're right, that they're going to be right. Let me give you an example. There is this great entrepreneur. He's a friend. He's an investor in Sunday. His name is Jean-Charles Samuelian. He's founder of Alan, which is an amazing French unicorn insurance tech. And so he says, all my salespeople, they don't have a bonus structure. They have a flat salary. He's like the only guy in the world who's doing that. Technically, if he's the only guy in the world doing that, my take on it is I'm not sure he's right technically. But because he's advocating so hard for it, because it, because he's saying it, because it's so unique and it's so fucking crazy to do that, and because he's doing it, and because he's supporting his sales team day in, day out in the office saying, we are the only sales team where there is no bonus structure because you have something else, etc. It works. It works because it's his idea, so it works for him, mm. which means that most of the things I've said, they work for me. I would say the most difficult stuff is to find out what are the things that's going to work for you when you're an entrepreneur. This is a very good point. By the way, I love sales, so um, we'll get into that subject. I actually think no commission is actually really smart because people are doing it. They're doing right by the customer they're selling to. If it's based on a bonus, they might sell when it's not right to just get the bonus. It's the wrong incentive, actually, which is completely the reverse thinking to nearly every single sales team out there. So your uh, your investor and friend is a very smart individual, if you ask me. But, but oh, just, just, just stepping back, because again, I think when people are listening to you, I, I actually think you're really relatable, but I think people might be hearing what you're saying, you know, with an entrepreneurial father, a doctor as a mother, you know, they might, they might be thinking that your way of thinking is out of their realm and out of their reach. You've raised a lot of money. It sounds, I, I feel though you're quite, you're quite grounded. I just want to go back to something you said earlier. You, you mentioned um, you were doing 50 hours a week in your other business. Now, I know a lot of our listeners are working really hard paying the bills right now. So there you are working 50 hours a week. Just for a second, just talk about the psychology. You, you gave up this 50 hours a week. So, you know, first of all, you must have been enjoying it. So I feel like, or, or you weren't, or what, how did that gap? I, I mean, I guess a lot of people are working so hard now. How did you convince yourself that you no longer needed to do those 50 hours a week and were able to do this new venture? What, what, was, the, what was the nuance to that experience that we could share with the audience? I like to be out of the comfort zone 
Is that simple? That's you just said, simple. right, I'm too comfortable. No, 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 no. It's, there's a long story to that. It's, I've identified that this is what I like. I don't like the re repetitive stuff. So if I don't like repetitive stuff, and if I want to grow and not just do one thing, stop it, do another. If I want to grow the business we're doing, which is build one business, keep it, maybe do another one, do one restaurant, then do another one. I don't have to sell the first one to do a second one, etc., etc. Then my obsession has always been to, as soon as I'm doing something and I'm figuring it out, stop doing it. So someone else going to do it. And very early, I've realized I've been lucky because the first guy I've ever recruited to do something that I thought I had figured out, he did a job. It was twice better as I, he was twice better at this job than I was. And I thought I was good at that job. And I would recruit this guy and he would do just a job as good as I was doing. And he was doing a job twice as good. And I was like, that's great, actually, because now I can do a new stuff. And actually, job is better done. So I'm always like obsessed about never doing twice something that I've kind of mastered because then someone's going to do it better than I was doing it. And this enables me to do new stuff. So let's say we haven't done Sunday. If we haven't done that, then I'm still at Big Mama. Big Mama is doubling size every year. It's a 1,500 people company. So if you want to double next year, it's about onboarding a new 1,500 people. It's, it's, it's big. On, in street territories, it's a lot of work. So if, you want, if, I, if I want to do that, I need a lot of time just to focus on next year. So I can't be doing the day-to-day -day management of the company today. It happens that because I've always anticipated that, I know that next year I have a blank page ahead of me. Because I know every year I will need to be focused on something that I don't even know exists now. And so this is how we've grown the team and grown the team and grown the team. And more than 100 people are shareholders in Big Mama. All the management team is very, very deeply incentivized in, in equity. Um, it's not Tigran and I, so Tigran is my partner. It's not just us. It's a team of 20 now who are like co-founders of this business. So yes, one of the 20 co-founders, me, has stepped out to do this new stuff. Then we have onboarded someone else. And because we had this pool of people, we're meeting great talents all the time. Yes, I am kind of proud, if you ask me. I think it's a, it's a personal success that I was able to pull the plug out of Big Mama so quickly to be able to do something else. But this is something that we have always tried to be, tried to be building by design, which is let's always have time to be able to do something else, do something new, Grasp an, grasp an opportunity, you would say that? Yes, grasp an opportunity, because opportunity, they do come. Everyone gets opportunity all the time. Do you have time to grasp them? There's something here, I, I, again, I'm just, I know there's people listening to this podcast right now that are perhaps, for example, in a job, they've got comfortable and they're scared to take a chance. And you are inspiring me, I hope them too, to realize that maybe they need to shake things up. You get one life. The other thing I think uh, I just you know I can hear hear my listeners and you know there's someone right now with a business and they're trapped in that business. They they haven't done what you're talking about, which is believe that someone else could actually do it better. I had exactly the same experience as you. I had a, I had a, a perceived successful company, and I thought I'll bring someone else in to run it, and they made it even more successful. They did a much better job than me when I brought them in, and and I didn't even realize it was possible. I just assumed I was the best. It's a mistake. You get trapped. 
oh, yeah. and, 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 and so what you're sharing here is is experience. And I and I don't I always wonder how to take experience like you've got, Victor, and give it to people, right? Because it's it's gold. You know, people are sitting in their business right now, and the reason it might not be growing is because of them. Because they've got comfortable. They haven't they haven't believed that anyone else can do it better than you have done, Victor. And that's that's I think where genius comes from. Where you, where you almost put yourself in uncomfortable positions all the time. Because I can just see you in that job doing the 50 hours a week. And I'm sure you were making an impact. But you also recognize, and it's a brilliant awareness, you recognize that perhaps it was time to let someone else do that. But I ask you this. Did you need something else Sunday in this case to make that switch? Do you think you would have made it if you hadn't found Sunday? I think if... We we're not doing Sunday, maybe I would be starting a hotel business within Big Mama, or we would be starting another kind of cuisine, or etc. I mean, we, we started with one restaurant, and now we have one restaurant which is like 5,000 square meters in France. It's the biggest restaurant in Europe. We have opportunities in so many cuisines, kind of hospitality. We are, we've launched delivery. We now have three brands in, in, in three countries in the span of the last six months. We've developed that business as well. So we've, we've always kept innovating, I would say. Back to what you were saying, sometimes, you know, you work hard on something, like you participate in a meeting and you give your opinion and, and you realize that you're spending 100 units of energy and that actually you've created five units of values because there were already six people in that meeting and the extra mile that you've built with your 100 units of energy is five units of values. When I start Sunday and I'm on my own the first day of Sunday, I spend 100 units of energy and I build 100 units of value. And the question I ask myself entering every meeting is, do I need to be there? And is it a good leverage of my time and energy? Because there are already people in this meeting, which is why actually I hate meetings where there are so many people. <laughs> um, and so again, getting out of Big Mama, the, only, the other stuff that happened is what I witnessed when I was in France. So two co-founders in France and a team of 800 people. And I go like the next month, almost by surprise, we go to, I, go, I, I move to the UK. I'm an entrepreneur. I take a lot of space. I speak a lot. I mean, you, you've sensed that in, in the 50 minutes we've been together. The <laughs> really, Victor? I no, I didn't sense that at all. <laughs> <laughs> my team, my teammates, they exploded. They took so much space because eventually ownership, responsibility and passion, which are three things that go really well together, it's not something you can delegate. It's like a plate that you hold in your hands and you let it drop and you hope someone is going to catch it before it breaks on the floor, on, on, on the ground. So when I left for the UK, I was like, okay, I was handling so much stuff. I had the final responsibility for so many things in the company. Goodbye, guys. I'm in London and I've been back in France like once every month for, two, for one night. So now it's on you. And the next second, well, people feel empowered. And because they feel empowered, because they feel responsible, they do a twice better job. That's true. And I do a twice better job because I'm by myself in the UK and I have to run this new restaurant we're doing and it's on me. It's really on me. It's not on a team. It's on me. Mm. And so when I, when we discussed with Tigran that I could leave, um, well, that I could step out of Big Mama to launch Sunday, the first thing we thought about was the opportunity that, wow, now it's Victor stepping out. Do we have a team who can take the space and grow it even bigger? we sensed that we had that team and that we could do that, which is how we, this is why we did it. Victor, I just want to translate what you've just said there in, in another way, 
and, and correct me if I've got this translation wrong, okay? But I just, I wonder if there's another way to put what you just said to, for people with left brains instead of right brains. You know, I, I feel like there are profiles of people listening. They're either, they might probably either be specialists or generalists, okay? And I, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're a generalist, which means you can do a lot of things. You, you like to be contributing a lot, which actually means you're really good at building a business zero to one. Right now, when your business gets to one and you have a lot of people working for you and it's and the system is somewhat flushed out, then you need specialists. You need people that come in that know each niche that you've been covering in a broad sense as a generalist. Right. And, and I think that's what you're talking about there. You're talking about, you know, yourself, you know that you can act as a specialist if you have to and have five minutes worth of contribution to a one hour meeting. You can, but it's not your natural state. Right. Is, is, that a, is that a good translation? Is that a fair translation of, of what your insight is there? Don't think too long. No, I'm not sure it's the way I feel it. The way I feel it is there are skills and there is personality. Um, my personality is I'm a very creative, risk-taking, out-of-the-box thinking person. But I, can ex I try to express it both in the big picture so building a vision, building a, a broader team, raising actually 10 times more money than we saw, stuff like this. And I also try to express it in the very details. Um, I know everything about a restaurant kitchen. And I sometimes get very creative on how we're going to cut the tomatoes because this actually creates a lot of value. Or how we're going to cook that sauce or how are we going to reinvent that pizza recipe to go for delivery so that it's still crispy and delicious after 15 minutes in a box. Um, and these are very detailed points. Or how are we going to negotiate that sourcing deal with this uh, mozzarella uh, uh, guys in, in Naples? In the payment, I, I feel it's the same. We are trying, I am the creative guy thinking out of the box and I can do that for let's go zero to one build a story, build a vision. But then I also spend a lot of hours like on tech matters, on very precise tech or product or UX, UI matters. And I've, I've always felt more confident doing both, like helicopter view and trenches job. And doing the trenches job as well actually builds my confidence so that I feel I am more relevant. I understand my team better. I'm able to help them better because I understand deep down their problems. And when I'm talking with other people about the helicopter view, I know I am relevant and I, I know I'm not bullshitting. I, and actually, again, maybe because I'm French, and but it's definitely not fake it till you make it, is to, to be able to tell a big story, I need to trust it myself. Uh, and so for that, I spend actually a lot of time um, in the trenches, if you want, or in the details. There's so many things I want to ask you. Um, we're kind of coming up to the one hour mark and I know um, we're lucky people listen this long and I, 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 I could literally talk to you all day. There's just so much knowledge in your head that I want to download and share with the world. But there's a couple of practical things I wanted to ask you. Your, your business is called Sunday. Now, I know when people start a business, they sit around a table, they come up with a name um, and I love the name Sunday, but you know, t tell us on a practical level, is it easy to trademark that name? How do you how do you actually go about making a company called Sunday actually happen? Because there, isn't there a phone network called Sunday, for example? <laughs> uh, this is this is a very good one. It's a very practical question, and I have asked that question to so many people. So, 
we're building a lot of brands. Each restaurant is a new brand, so I'm always like working on IP. So Sunday, we were thinking we want something. We have found thousands of ideas. And every time you want to reference check if it's taken or not, if you can use it or not, it costs you. And if you want a world trademark, it costs you like 5K dollars in the US. It costs you another 2K here in, in Europe. It's 8K every time you want to sense check a name. It's a lot of money. It goes, I mean, it goes really fast. And then I have 10 names, 80K. Whoa, 80K. Is that money well spent? And then we come up with the name Sunday. And then the lawyers tell us, well, that's actually good. You can call it Sunday. It's fine. Because it's not taken in your specific range. On IP, I've got one piece of advice is do not ask lawyers if it's okay or not. <laughs> do ask. They have to what say does no. It take to make it okay. Because if not, you're always going to get a no. That's true. And then ask your lawyers. There is a company who does very quick and easy payment online. It's called fast.co. There is another one who's called Bolt, all right? These two companies launched like 20 in the last 18 months. How do you get a company called fast.co in payments? How does that work? And they were telling me like all these names we had were impossible. And it's like, guys, don't tell me it's impossible. And these guys, they call their company fast because that's just impossible. So if they can call it fast, tell me how I can call it Sunday. That worked. Interesting. Yeah, good tip. There was always, I, unfortunately, I had a business called Foodie and, um, and someone came out of the woodwork three years into the business and said, I own the word Foodie on a trademark infringement and you, have, you are passing off and all your profit has to come to me. And it turns out they were a trademark lawyer. So, um, so I've, yeah. I've had a scary experience around this point, but it's, it's a very good point. It's a very, um, picking a general word um, is, is really powerful, isn't it? You know, it's, it's in theory in the dictionary, no one can own it. Um, and so it's, it's an interesting yes. point, yeah. So I just wanted to touch on that practical piece. I guess um, I just wanted to ask a couple of things before we wrap up. Um, I, don't, I wanted to ask a little bit about, well, first of all, I wanted to know how you met your wife. You mentioned earlier, you know, you're not going to tell us. And now, now I want to know. Um, but but uh, maybe that's another podcast for another time we can do. Well, I go to this party and I think I'm going to hit on her like later tonight. And But it's jobs done, you know. And then it's midnight and I had these other girls and maybe, but no, I said, I want this girl. She's so great. And I want to kiss her tonight and I want to hang out with her. But I can wait. I have time. It was her birthday. And at midnight, I turned around and she was kissing another guy. Oh, um, and then I went to her and I took her to the kitchen in her apartment and said, no, he's going, I stay. And she said, oh, no, 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 he's staying, you go. That's how uh, I met my wife. No, no, this, is, this, this can't be... Uh, you have to do crazy stuff. That's really amazing. You have to do crazy stuff. You, you, that's an amazing story. And, and, I, and I just want to touch on this point because um, I think it's not covered enough in business chats that your partner in life um, is, is so crucial to your success. Like I, I wouldn't be successful personally today, whatever success is for you. And that, that's something everyone could define for themselves. But I, I personally don't think uh, I'd be successful if it wasn't for my partner in life. It's such a crucial deal. Can we put it that way? I can, it echoes two things. I told you about how I hung up the phone and I called my partner in business and I say, wish I should do it. And he said, yes. And the next thing I did was I went out, it was COVID, so I was at home, my wife as well. So I go out of the room and I say the exact thing to my wife. And I said, actually, I'm going to spin up this stuff. And she says, Yes, go. And I'm like, are you sure? Do you understand the implications on the 
family life is actually, yes, yeah. I fully trust you can do it. Yeah. yeah. This was a decisive moment. Yeah. And the other thing it echoes to me is that, yes, of course, she's, 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 she's the, the, the foundations of how I build my life. But also my relation to my professional partner, so to Tigran, has had a huge impact on how I behave with Apolline, my wife. I have never, ever argued with Tigran in seven years with my business partner. Never, ever, never, ever have I raised my voice, ever. Same with him. And at some point, I, one day I was like arguing with, with Apolline and was like almost shouting. And I was thinking, why is it I'm allowing myself to shout with her? And I would never do that in business. When actually, yes, with Tigran, I share a business. With her, I share a family and three children my whole life. And in work, I find it easier to manage my emotions. And okay, it's professional life, so I'm going to take my fear out. I'm going to take my ego out. I'm going to take all of that out. And I'm going to be focused on results. And realizing that I was able to do that in business actually gave me the strength to sometimes also do it at home because sometimes also at home you have fear and ego, etc., etc. And I don't know why, but a few years ago I would allow myself to let it go in the middle in my personal life and never in my professional life. Well, personal anecdote. I, I, I'm taking something from that because I, I, I always have this feeling that um, people say business, don't, don't take it personally. I, I think it's so personal business. I, I find business to be so, so personal. And, and so I hate that saying. But you're saying something really important here um, that I, I personally f resonates with me because I, I argue with my wife and I argue with my colleagues. And I, I sometimes wish I didn't. And, and I do it sometimes to push the business and push and push back, you know, and, and but I'm, I'm not saying I think your way is better is what I'm saying. Uh, I think your insight there is really profound. And I'm going to try to argue less with both sides of my equation. Um, so I've learned something from you today, Victor. Uh, in fact, I've learned loads of things. I really appreciate you taking the time out to share your story. Just to finish off, I just want to say if you went back to the younger Victor and gave some advice, what would it be? Meet as many people as you can and do crazy stuff. I landed my first job because I was actually, it was 2008, everything was frozen. I was unemployed outside of, out of business school. And I wrote a manuscript letter to a French billionaire who was supposedly, I read in a paper launching a new investment fund and there was no address for the guy. So I found the official address of his headquarters and I wrote a manuscript letter. Hi, I'm Victor, this is my resume. I heard you were launching a fund. I'm really interested in joining. The guy is a billionaire like 50 years old, he answered. And that lent me my first job. And then he ended up being the first investor in our first company. Then he's an investor in my second company. He's a mentor to us. We've known him now 15 years. Do crazy stuff and meet people is what I would tell to, to, to my former self. I absolutely love it. Well, you know, I just want to say, um, we're, the Purposeful Project, our mission is to help 10 million people start a business of their own and never feel alone doing it. I think you've just helped us push, uh, push the message out that, of how to do it. I really appreciate it. But once you've uh, built Sunday up and you're looking for your next challenge, uh, hit me up. You, you could run this platform. I just love your energy and you really, really amazing, uh, Victor. I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking time out and to share what's going on. I'd like to follow up with you as you develop your business and hear more of your story. And so, um, so we'll definitely be following up with you. But thank you for your very transparent, open and, and deep knowledge today. Thanks. Simon, thank you very much. I am myself very grateful you, you gave me 
that whole hour and your questions and insights were very precious to me as well. Thank you so much. Well, folks, if you enjoyed what Victor had to say today, links to his new platform below. If you have any comments, any questions, any further insights that you need, please feel free to drop us any notes on any of the platforms that you are listening to this uh, today on. So thanks very much for listening, everybody.